0: changing. We're flying high, creating a complaint-free world. No more, no more complaining. People, their lives are changing. We're flying high, creating a complaint
1: Let me tell you about my guest, and I'm very excited to have him. He is a CSP. His name is Chris Fuller. What is a CSP? CSP is a certified speaking professional by the National Speakers Association. I'm in the process of applying myself. He's an award-winning international leadership speaker, author, and consultant with over 25 years of experience in many aspects of business and organizational effectiveness including leadership developments, culture, strategy, sales, EQ, emotional intelligence, and team effectiveness. He's the president and CEO of Right Path Resources and Influence Leadership, organizations ha- focused on helping other or- or organizations. Sorry, Chris. Chris is the president and CEO of Right Path Resources and Influence Leadership organizations focused on helping other organizations build engage, leader leaders integrate high-performing teams and create inspired cultures he has written several books i did, did a ride leadership unleashing the power of the team inspired leadership a proven path to removing uh to remarkable results as well well I could go. Hit. His bio is so long, I could spend the entire time reading it. Otherwise, let's just uh, welcome him. Everybody say hi to Chris. Nice to have you here, Chris. Good to
0: see you. Hey, good morning. Where are you? I am uh, north of Atlanta, Georgia, in uh, Suwannee, Georgia. I know where
1: Suwanee, Georgia is. I sold Yellow Pages. Yellow page advertising for years in Jasper, Georgia, Dalton, Georgia, okay. Canton, Georgia. Yeah, so a little yeah. bit everywhere.
0: Yeah, when we bought RightPath, we moved from Fort Worth to uh, Atlanta or the Suwannee area, and so uh, so now we're we're instead of being Dallas Fort Worth based, we're Atlanta based.
1: Good for you. Well, Atlanta is a wonderful city. Both my brothers live there. times in their life. I want to jump right in and I hope you don't mind because you sent me some information, but you mentioned in there emotional intelligence. Yeah. And I really know almost nothing about it, even though before my mother passed, she got huge into it, was reading books, et cetera, et cetera. And I never fully got it. I do know that we tend to measure people by their IQ. So help me, help us understand what is emotional intelligence and how does it impact our lives.
0: So as we've um, really, as we've surveyed tens of thousands of people within our workshops and seminars, you know, when we talk about the greatest leaders or the greatest teammate or the greatest coworkers that they've ever dealt with, you know, they'll list whatever that is, but it falls under the umbrella of this emotional intelligence. So whether it's listening or awareness or connectedness or, you know, any of those particular pieces where we would describe it, it really falls under this umbrella of emotional intelligence. And the, the emotional intelligence is really this, this delta between stimuli and response that allows exactly what you talk about, about this complaint-free, about being that, having that right attitude. Well, the stimuli that hits you and, and essentially your neuropaths, your synapses, We'll take that information, we'll lens and filter that information, and then feed you a response. And the emotional intelligence uh, is that gap between stimuli and response where you get to choose, will I complain or will I uh, express a positive attitude? Will I connect or will I derail in this situation? So impulse control, situational awareness, and then awareness really of even others and social awareness And then going further into the relationship management. So at the end of the day, emotional intelligence is the ability to own your emotions, own the situations. And for us, that's really, that's what leadership is about at the end of the day.
1: I'm going to put a thin slice on this. Are there emotionally intelligent, innately, there are people who are born intellectually intelligent. And there are people who are born intellectually not intelligent. Is that <laughs> true for EQ or is it as more socialization or how how does that a person's level of emotional intelligence get set in their life?
0: Yeah. So um, a lot of, of your initial emotional intelligence is, um, is uh, you know, it's kind of a, it's an interesting question because I think that you're. You know, your early years, your formative years, your family of origin and your wiring have an impact on it. Um, And so I would say that there are people born into some better situations than other people are born into. But really, as we look at people, there's no way that you can say circumstances determine someone's emotional intelligence. You can have better circumstances and have a a lousy attitude and you can have uh, terrible circumstances and have a great attitude or perspective. So I think that while your early formative years and your behavioral wiring does have an impact on it, uh, this emotional intelligence is certainly something that is chosen and certainly something that's developed more than it is just innate. You may have people that are, that are more enthusiastic in their wiring, more social, more verbal. You may have them that are more generalist. And so there are some behavioral components that I would say would fit into that innate piece. But the vast majority of us, the, the, the beauty of it is that we get to choose our emotional intelligence instead of be a victim of the impulse control.
1: Let me reintroduce you. This is Chris Fuller. Fuller. You can find out more about him at rightpath.com. We're talking about EQ. We're talking about leadership. And as I always like to mention, a lot of my former speaking clients watch these jumpstarts. So be sure and check out Chris. Is So the EQ or the emotional intelligence is something we should aspire to improve. Is there a there there? Is there a point where we get finally just emotionally intelligent or is it always something we're seeking to improve
0: yeah i think there's always going to be situations that get the better of us that's called being triggered right or the the emotional or amygdala hijack so there's always going to be situations that are naturally maybe easier for you to be emotionally intelligent in and there's going to be situations and circumstances where you have to work on those, and for whatever reason, they may tend to trigger you uh, more often or more intensely than other situations. So we always have an opportunity every day that we get up to choose again. You know, like you talk about choosing the attitude, choosing to complain or choosing to be uh, grateful. And then, so with what are those situations we 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 find ourselves in, and can we overcome those circumstances easier? Or more difficultly, and then again, that's where that's really where we we focus is to leverage um, all those situations to be able to to get to that best state.
1: the 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 thing that it's coming to me about this is that it's emo, an emotionally intelligent person learns how to harmonize their energy with other people. As you're talking, one person keeps coming to mind: it's my friend Brian. And Brian is in a very high pressure hundred million dollar deal job constantly. and he'll tell me sometimes about how other people will slide off the rails emotionally. and he's like, "And so I just you know did this or I presented it that way. And inside, I'm going, "I don't know how you even do that. Are there tools and and recommended ways for us to become?" more intelligent? I'm, I'm thinking, and I'm. you comment on this, but I'm thinking that watching negative things on Reddit, TikTok, uh, doom scrolling through Facebook, et cetera, of people complaining and being upset, would it would seem like it would drain me and lower my emotional intelligence. So are there things we can do and things that detract from being emotionally intelligent?
0: Yeah. One of the key pieces is to have uh, emotional intelligence. Um, hygiene, mental hygiene, and also to, to, to monitor our sleep and our, our physiologicals. If you are malnourished, if you are sleep deprived, then essentially when you're physically drained, mentally drained, there's no way to be emotionally resilient. So some of the components around emotional resilience are self-care. And that's going to to be some of the precedence to help us be as emotionally um, clean as possible. And then certainly working on those situations, as you know, through years of sales, you know, there's a lot of people that get emotionally hijacked in in what is either um, call reluctance um, or, you know, really that fear of closing the sale, fear of, of trying to bring to that. And that's when that emotional hijack can occur. So I think that there's a degree of preparation Um, You know, from a subject matter expert, from a professional standpoint, that is going to lessen that emotional hijack, increase that emotional intelligence. But the first piece is, are you clean? Are you hygienic in your sleep patterns, in your, um, you know, in in your um, eating and in your um, physical health? And uh, those are some of the major components As if you are physically, spiritually, and mentally, emotionally healthy, then that's going to certainly help that resilience factor.
1: I love that you brought that up. And we've talked several times because uh, proper sleep has been a primary focus of mine over the last year. I was listening to a podcast or an interview with a guy who founded, I think it's Cliff Bars anyway, some billion dollar protein company. And the person talking about it was sharing a hotel room with the guy. And it's like he wears a sleep mask, he puts on white noise, he has a ritual, et cetera. And I was like, well, if that's for him, then that's what I'm going to do. And it has been amazing how much easier it is to be emotionally intelligent, chill, not reactive, just getting a good night's sleep. So I'm glad you brought that up, and that that is again. I, I'm repeating that to my audience because I keep bringing it up and wanting to make sure they are. What is the connection between emotional intelligence and leadership?
0: So the the number one, and this comes back to the Daniel Goleman studies in the in the late mid to late '90s and and all the work that he did at Harvard. But leadership effectiveness is uh, anywhere from 80 to 85 percent about your emotional intelligence. And when you think about leadership, leadership is ownership, and we may not be responsible for the situations and the circumstances and the failings of others, but as leaders, we are responsible for the best possible outcomes in those situations. We need to own those situations and circumstances for the best outcomes. And as leaders, our primary job is to lead people. So we lead people that get things done. Well, if we can't lead ourselves and if we can't connect to others and try to elevate ourselves, elevate others, then there's no way that we can have an elevated outcome in those situations. So from a leader's perspective, it doesn't matter what your product or service is. If you're a leader, you're in the people business and the people business starts with self, equips and empowers others and then owns the situation in those. So there's really the, the major component of being a leader is being great at people, which is the definition of emotional intelligence.
1: 80%. That I just want to drive that point home. That's amazing. And this reminds me of my favorite TV show, Ted Lasso, which <laughs> I, I did a whole series on. But you've got an American football coach going over to coach soccer in London. And it is just his emotional intelligence. He puts in a suggestion box. He listens to everyone. He just, he remembers people's birthdays. He does little surprising things. All right. Here's the big question, Chris. Is emotional intelligence taught to leaders and managers in business school, or is that something they've got to find on their own? How best do new burgeoning leaders equip themselves to be more emotionally intelligent?
0: Yeah, that's great. I would say that uh, um, I haven't studied and seen what universities are offering, but I can tell you the vast majority of people don't get promoted into leadership because of their emotional intelligence. The vast majority get promoted into leadership because they had a successful project or they had a successful output. So at some sort, they were transactionally successful and they are promoted to a point of leadership. And the struggle is, are they relationally successful? And so you are hired for what you know, but generally fired for your people skills. So most of the time when people call us in, I'm sorry,
1: would you repeat that? That was so good. You
0: are hired hired for what you know, know. but fired for your people skills. That's so good. Excuse the interruption. I just I wanted everybody to get but that's that's really that that key particular point because again, we are promoted prior to preparation. And so functionally, tactically, we may know how to perform the job. But then the organization is saying, can you extrapolate that effectiveness across a team? And while we're promoted to do that without the emotional intelligence to do that. Can you actually create buy-in? Can you actually get a team to synergize? All this is around that emotional intelligence. And so when people bring us in for these, you know, event-based programs or annual-based programs, it really is around driving the intelligence. And this is where we talk about from that inspired leadership perspective, I need to inspire leaders to be effective themselves, but then to integrate high-performing teams and to build these inspired cultures. And all of that is around people. You see, companies don't produce, people produce. Leaders aren't just effective individually, they have to be effective collectively with their team. And that really is that core functional piece that we've got to grow that. And the beauty about emotional intelligence is just focusing in on it will cause your emotional intelligence to grow. You'll pay attention to that. And in that, you know, that sort of, you know, the, the terms called reticular activator, it's, it's as you're looking at it, then the, the awareness in and of itself can drive a better response in those circumstances.
1: Yeah. The uh, reticular activating system. I always think of that idea of you're standing in a party and there's groups of people talking, but somebody says, "Will," and then all of a sudden your mind focuses on them having said my name, you know, or Chris or whatever. And it is that as much awareness, I think uh, that drives it forward as the desire to. Something you just said makes me, I was in radio advertising sales for decades and many times the very top salesperson would be made the sales manager. Now that is a person who is good working one-on-one and as you say, picking up the phone, closing, but they've been competing. That person has been competing with us for five years and now all of a sudden they're supposed to inspire us. And that is, I just didn't see it working. And so- this idea that we need to, uh, we're hiring an, another employee right now. And my daughter, who's my business manager, was like, we have to just like the person. First and foremost, we have to really like them. So I think we think in leadership and in business so much about numbers and performance and everything. And yet what I'm hearing you say, it, it is it, the glue that brings it all together is the Human connection, and that is emotional intelligence. Am I oversimplifying this, or my understanding?
0: No, I'm I'm right there with you. Again, there is a weighted balance. It is IQ and EQ. You know, um, growing up in Texas, so let me let me drop some Texas vernacular on you. Um, IQ: If you're the smartest person in the room, but the backside of a mule, am I going to follow? So we know everybody that's book smart, and yet we don't really want to follow them even though they're the smartest in the room. And all of the research, and this was that presupposition, that the smartest in the room, those with the highest EQ, are going to be the most effective. And yet, you know, the, as, the, as the story goes, there are plenty of people with IQs of 160 working for people with IQs of 100. And so it's not about IQ. But listen, if all you have is EQ, if you're the best person in the world, uh, but again, Texas vernacular, dumb as a post, um, am I going to follow you? Would I trust my career track to you, even though you are the best person on the planet? And so we need the balance of IQ and EQ. And I'm a big and type guy, not an or guy. And so in that genius of that and we need the subject matter expert. And so as you guys are hiring people, you wouldn't hire people that were just um, uh, intellectually deficient, but emotionally intelligent. We need that. And we need that marriage of it. But in that, sometimes we can build the skill if they have the will. So I'm sure you talk about this on the attitude versus aptitude. And I believe that we need both. We need the aptitude, which can be trained, but the attitude and that people side is so important.
1: To me, the aptitude we were just, uh, she and I were discussing yesterday Aptitude is a minimum basic requirement to get an interview with us for us to consider hiring you. We have to think, are we going to have fun working with you over yeah. time? And that is, that is so important of, of your books. You've written two. Is that correct? I have. Yeah. Two. Tell us which I always like to say, cause I've written five and people are like, which one do I read first? which book should they pick up to get the best first taste of Chris Fuller and want to keep right on going?
0: Yeah, so um, so I love stories. You know, I, I believe life is an, an adventure to be experienced, not a misery to be endured. And so I love talking about um, you know the the adventure in life. So the first book that I have, and I think I have it on that bookshelf back here. Um, so I did a rod leadership is about um, equipping and empowering. It is unleashing the power of the team, and so it's an allegorical read. And, uh, and so if you want to just a, a light reading that, that gets you into an adventure that teaches you some business principles, then, then I did leadership would be it. The latest one on your proven path to remarkable results on the inspired. So the inspired is an acrostic. And this talks about moving, transforming from essentially the zombified life, the zombification of managers and leaders into that inspired state. So if you feel, like you are in a personal state of zombification, or if your organization is in that state of melees or zombification, zombified, then uh, we need to get to that inspired level. And so, again, depending upon where you're at, I think that those are the two, those are the two pieces.
1: I love the zombie metaphor. I think that's really great.
0: There's so many people that are the walking dead, Will. I mean, you know, it's just like every day. It's rinse, wash, repeat. I get up, I go through the misery of the day, I clock out and I go home. And that's really, that, that's, that, that to me, that's where we want to make a difference. So when we talk about Right Path, we talk about doing all of those things with an evidence base. So we have those behavioral assessments that kind of help. But at the end of the day, all of this stuff, the attitude that you talk about, the complaint free that you talk about, Those are those attitudes and those complaints are catching. We can impact and infect essentially the emotional intelligence, the mindset of others. And so, imagine how many people go home at night with less capacity for those that matter most. And how do we build leaders and organizations and teams that allow people to go home with more energy, more capacity, more availability for those that matter most instead of being diminished? When they walk in that front door, that's really our passion and our heart at uh, Right Path.
1: Dude, that is wonderful aspiration because it never quite hit me until you put it so succinctly. We spend most of our time working, and in most people's cases, it is an exhausting and exasperating experience. Uh, and then, as you say, they go home, and then they don't understand why they're having trouble with their wife, their kids, their lives, etc. Well, wow, it's, it's like a, a linchpin it really think, is. making that change. Chris, this has been great. Everybody check out Chris at rightpath.com. That's www.rightpath.com. A couple of wonderful books. I think the Iditarod would be so fun. It looks like a nice quick read. So check out these books and more. And remember, our song of the day. Here we go. Alexa, play Roar by Katy Perry. Y'all enjoy today. I'll see you Monday. Happy Easter.